Good morning. Welcome to City Church in Liberty Center City. If this is your first time uh, joining us this morning, we're so happy that you're here. My name is Jennifer Cho, and I'm a member of City Church. And if you will scroll to page four in the bulletin, let's uh, prepare our hearts for worship together. Gracious God, grant us diligence to seek you and patience to wait for you. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all and also with you. Oh, praise the Lord with me. Let us exalt God's name together. Thank you. 
I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the peoples. With your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Your way was through the sea, your path through the mighty waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. Please pray with me. Father, we come into your presence this morning with joy and gratitude, even as we may also feel sadness, discontent, and fatigue. We praise you because you are here in and around and among us. You are at work, and we can trust you even though we do not see you. Thank you for providing for us and sustaining us during this time in more ways than we can mention. Lord, we cry out to you for the collective suffering of our world right now. We grieve lives lost, vulnerable lives threatened, racism, and confusion on the way forward. We ache for our neighbors standing before an uncertain future. We pray love, not fear, would reign. Inspire our leaders to discern and lead wisely toward our common good. Reveal new and creative ways for us to come together in solidarity. Call us to profound trust in your faithful presence. You, the God who does not abandon. You, the Holy One, breathing in us, breathing among us, breathing around us in our beautiful yet wounded world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. enter this moment of our time we call confession. It is a time of, of humility where we acknowledge our weakness, our human frailty, and our sin. And we turn to the mercy of God so that we may be strengthened with his life and with his love. Jesus himself goes to great extents through his loving sacrifice on our behalf and secures God's forgiveness and love for us. So we take this time to retune our hearts and our lives with this good news, that God's life may invigorate ours and that we may be strengthened for his service. Let's enter this time together by praying the prayer of confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed 
by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Let's now take a few moments to silently confess our sins to the Lord. Look up now to receive these words of comfort and the assurance of pardon. May the God of love bring you back to himself, forgive you your sins, and assure you of his eternal love in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. We now cling to this good news that through Jesus, God invites us to know his peace, makes it possible for peace to be the, fun, the, the, the defining message of our lives and the way in which we now move out into the world to love and pursue one another. We're going to take just a few moments as we begin our next song to send a message to friends of ours that we haven't seen in a while or friends that you want to stay in touch with to send the peace of Christ to one another. Let us offer one another now a sign of peace. The peace of the Lord be with you always and also with you. Thank you. 
The Old Testament reading this morning is from Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God that he may hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. I think of God and I moan. I meditate and my spirit faints. You keep my eyelids from closing. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old and remember the years of long ago. I commune with my heart in the night. I meditate and search my spirit. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love ceased forever? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? And I say, it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the peoples. With your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the water saw you, O God, when the water saw you, they were afraid. The very deep trembled. The clouds poured out water, The skies thundered, your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the mighty waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The gospel reading this morning is from Matthew, verses 7 to 11. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's uh, pray together. Our Father in heaven, we ask that as we think on these words of this psalm, Psalm 77 this morning, 
that you would help us to know how we might inhabit these words as children at home rather than a stranger in your house or even a guest. Would you meet us, Father, Son, and Spirit, as we take these words to our lips and our minds, our thoughts, and we muse upon them. Meet us, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. So where is uh, God in our pain and in our experiences of loss? It's an old question, not a new question at all. It's something people of God have asked for generations. The theologian Robert Jensen describes the God of Scripture as a God who is always striking up a conversation with his people. He's always entering our stories as if and making them his own. In the middle of their stories and histories, he comes to us. In the middle of our stories and history, he comes to us. But we don't always feel the truth of his nearness. I think we have to be honest about that. It's a truth that we sometimes uh, obscure in the background of our lives, maybe uh, in some hard moment. We just don't feel the nearness of God in a meaningful way, certainly not the way we would like to feel his nearness. Psalm 77 is a prayer of lament in circumstances like that. A song in the night, it's a moment when you wonder if God is listening at all. That seems to be the experience of the psalmist. God is silent. God is withdrawn. God seems absent from some prolonged experience of suffering. Verses 1 to 9 sets the stage for this conversation characterized by lament that is very honest about these experiences of loss. Verse 1, I cry aloud to the Lord that he may hear. Think about that impulse of crying out loud or crying louder even in your own life. It usually happens for each of us in a moment when we feel unheard or overlooked. We feel voiceless or powerless in some sense. Or maybe even think to the venue or the context rather of the home in which a small child cries out in the night to a mom or a dad or a sister or a brother or some other caregiver in a moment of crisis or confusion or even just a bad dream. Kidner, in his commentary on this particular text, he says of verse 2 that it indicates that this loud cry of the psalmist arises out of a long and prolonged history of suffering. It's chronic not acute struggle that's in view. It's a circumstance that isn't easily consoled. The soul, in fact, refuses consolation because the suffering is unresolved. We're not uh, told that the specifics of this particular psalm, the specifics of the suffering that have given rise to these words of prayer and poetry. And so the psalm, like so many other psalms, invites us to think about our own inconsolable experiences in life and to map them on to the words of the psalmist. So I think this morning or this week about the continued struggle with the pandemic, with COVID, with rising cases. I think about the political anxiety and sometimes the political hopelessness that some of us feel in this profound moment of wondering if leadership is even possible. I think of the long history of racial injustice and really all the forms of social inequalities that are embedded implicitly in our society and our organizations, even church organizations. I think about 
personal things, experiences of loneliness that so many individuals have experienced in this time, or unresolved health issues that continue to be an issue for so many people in our culture and even in the world, or situations of world hunger, and we could just go on and on and on of all of those spaces in life in which things aren't panning out or happening in exactly the good way or a right way or in a way that feels life-giving, we don't feel like God acts fast enough or if he acts at all. Lament is emotionally honest about our feelings around loss and even our frustrations with God's himself, with God himself. We can tell God we're angry. We can tell God. We can ask, crying out, are you even there? Are you even listening? But secondly, lament isn't stuck in these experiences of frustration. That's the beauty of biblical lament or scriptural lament. It holds intention, these opposite things, these inconsolable parts of ourself and inconsolable parts of even human experience more broadly, intention with a God who hears, a God who's present, a God who shows up, a God who shows up to our stories of loss and even trauma. Lament is therefore an intentional act of worship in which we begin to look to a story that's larger and older than our own experiences of loss and pain and struggle. Verses 10 to 15 takes us into this act of worship on the part of the psalmist with a contrast that's between what is happening now, this current inconsolable loss, with some hindsight awareness of God's previous activity and presence, God's care, his shepherding. Verse 10, it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. Here in this moment, we're taken into the heart of the contrast. In hindsight, the psalmist can think of some previous time, some previous trouble even, when God showed up with boldness and certainty in a blessed way. But where is he now? Verse 11, I call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I intentionally begin to focus my memory, my thoughts, my liturgy of life on God's active presence and care. I remember, I meditate, I muse. These are the words of the psalmist, the practices that he takes up as he enters a contemplative life with God in the midst of some current difficulty in order to find strength for this particular moment. Find ways in which God is currently caring for him and for his people. This is not positive thinking. This is not seeing the glass as half full. This is not a function of personality. It is not uh, sort of keeping on the sunny side of life at all costs. It is certainly not denial of loss and pain and real suffering. It is not human passivity. It is, in fact, an activity in which the psalmist refuses to stay out of touch with God's presence, but insists on being very much in touch and aware of this deeper truth of God's presence amidst the assaults of a broken world, the broken world in which he lives, for us, the broken world in which we live. I've been sitting for the last week with an interview that was done with Ruby Sales. She, was a, she is a civil rights leader and has been since the days of King. In the 60s, she just... Right after the Ruby Sales. Okay. Gotcha.
Yeah, yeah. We're good? Yes, sorry we had more uh, technical difficulties, friends. Um, let me just back up for a moment. So I was mentioning Ruby Sales, who is a civil rights leader uh, beginning in the 60s and, and up into the very present with her continued work in Atlanta. But she describes in an interview that I've been sitting with recently um, what she calls black folk religion. She says it empowered her work around justice and her work around nonviolent resistance to injustice. It's a beautiful interview. She says this, it was a religion that offered an alternative view of God from the view of God that empire gave us. It was the kind of beloved community vision. It was a vision of justice. It was also a vision that predicated itself on a very strong sense of agape and so was even able to find the humanity in people who were enslavers. And it was a theology of resistance, a theology of reaffirmation. I might be a slave, quote, but I'm somebody. It was a theology of hope. She then describes the black prayers of her ancestors and says these are the prayers they prayed. I want to thank you for waking me up in the morning. She says it contested the power of the slave master, acknowledging the power of someone greater and acknowledged that the enslaver was not the alpha and omega of black life. And I want to say, thank you, sir. And she says, calling God sir was not patriarchal, but it was a way of slapping the enslaver in the face and saying, you're not my sir. Instead, it bowed down to the altar of God, of something greater than human existence. And it also contained all the sorrow and all the expectations. I'm going to tell God how you treat me. I've got a right, you've got a right, I've got a right to the tree of life. That's black folk religion. And it empowered a movement of nonviolent resistance and pursuit of justice and love. And I read that or I listen to that interview and I think, I think that's the kind of thing the psalmist is doing in a very different context and in a very different moment from his own space of inconsolable circumstances that feels so broken by the weight of a sinful and ruinous empire. The psalmist connects with an identity anchored in the greatness of God who gives us a very different identity and so concludes with verse 13 posing a question that is answered, you are holy, what God is so great as our God. 
This God of wonders redeemed his people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. And pause on those names for just a moment. Speak those names for just a moment and remember their stories. They are so complex. They are not heroes in some pristine way of perfection. You can't hear their names and not think complicated. Jacob, a chosen but deceptive son. Joseph, a prideful and betraying brother. Whose betrayed brother, rather, whose story God takes in hand and turns towards surprising provision that he could not see, that his brothers could not see, and yet whose story would continue for generations and turn again into a space of abuse and enslavement. There is no golden age of faith, no golden age of someone's experience of God's presence. But God is always amidst our complicated and our painful human stories, moving the promise of his kingdom come forward, even by flawed hands. The psalm concludes with these last verses, 16 to 20, echoing perhaps God's great and even more powerful display as he delivers Israel from slavery guiding Israel through the wilderness, shepherding by Aaron and Moses, again, leaders whose own stories are weak and struggling. Yet God led his people like a flock. You pull these words into the life of Jesus. Hebrews 5, 7 says of his human life, his life on earth amidst empire, that he offered up prayers with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard. Jesus cries as we see, as he sees or looks on the ordinary experience of marginalized persons in his day amidst pharisaical leadership and fearful leadership. Jesus cries out over a meal and he gives thanks to God who feeds hungry people. He cries out against evil spirits. He cries out in solitude to the Father amidst perhaps his own exhausting experience of providing and serving and rejection and misunderstanding. He cries out at Lazarus' tomb. He cries out from the cross as he takes the fullness of human abusive power and unjust death into himself, into God's own self. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And yet in another moment, it feels as though he's forsaken and God is nowhere to be found. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And finally, words, it is finished. Jesus has put an end to all scapegoating once and for all by an act of his own heroic love in which he becomes the divine scapegoat. So here we are, gathered this morning for worship, some of us in the room together, just a few of us, many of you or most of you scattered throughout virtual space somewhere in your own living room or car or apartment, amidst friends or even alone. But we're gathered in Jesus' name nonetheless and he is with us in our midst, in whatever inconsolable space you find yourself in this morning, whatever has captured your imagination, whatever seeks to sink your heart, whatever the darkness you are experiencing is, however dark it may be, he is with us. He's present to our stories. And so the question a psalm like this leaves us is, well, what would it be like for us this week to receive his story? to complete our own stories by connecting with his story of his life given, of his 
life in the space of the scapegoat more ultimately. As you think about the circumstances of your life, personally or even collectively, what would it look like to cry aloud to the God who hears you and is with you? A God whose own story tells us that our suffering matters to him and matters deeply, even when it's not clear to us that it does, but that our suffering is not the final word over our lives or over this world. The truth of his presence and the truthfulness of his resurrected future and the truth of the Spirit in our midst and our connection to God's future enables us to sing in the night and enables us to, with faith, take words of lament to our lips and be formed by some greater presence than the brokenness of this life. That's our hope and our desire. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we ask that as we pull these words of the psalmist penned and written so very long ago in circumstances unlike our own and yet almost certainly like our own, would you help us to know that you're a God who hears? And would you help us to out of whatever space that feels inconsolable to us this morning to be persons, to be a community that cries aloud to you because you hear us. And help us to enter the intentionality of remembering your works in history that we might have hope in our present moment. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So we take a few moments to listen to some music and offer our hearts and our lives to God. This is an opportunity for us to think about those things God is teaching us and saying to us and offer ourselves to cry out in our darkness but also, if you'd like to participate in the ministries of our churches, there are links on the website and links in the bulletin that you're able to participate by giving and supporting the ministry of City Church in Liberty. We thank you.
Let us confess our faith together using the words of the Apostles' Creed on page 12. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please pray with me. Father, we come to you this morning believing that you are the God who invites your children to come boldly to you with our needs and with the needs of the world. You tell us to ask, seek, and knock, and we trust that you are a father who longs to give good gifts to your children. And so, Father, we ask, seek, and knock for the circumstances that frame the present day in our world. We pray for your justice to flow down and for righteousness and love to reign in our nation and in the hearts of our leaders. Father, we ask and knock for those among us who are hurting in deep ways today, for those who are wearied by the state of our world right now, for those experiencing deep loneliness, and for those seeking healing in their relationships. Father, would you comfort them, give them your presence, and walk with them today. And Father, we pray for our two congregations of Liberty Center City and City Church. Father, would you be our guide and our shepherd as we continue to walk through this process of discerning whether we would merge as one. Father, we ask that you would give wisdom and clarity to our consistories, to our congregations, and help us really discern your mind and will for this community and for our mission to make Christ known in Philadelphia. And Father, we pray for the global church that you would strengthen her in the places where she is persecuted, worn down, and discouraged. We pray that you would enable us and all our brothers and sisters across the world to be agents of your grace and the love of Jesus in a lost and hurting world. And now, gathering our prayers into one, let us pray boldly as our Savior has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we prepare now to come to the Lord's table, please take this opportunity, if you have not already done so, to go get some bread or crackers or also some wine or juice. When we come to the Lord's table, we remember with gratitude the costly love of God for us in Jesus, a love that establishes and secures us in union with God. 
So if you are a baptized follower of Jesus, come to his table to eat and drink of him who loves you, who laid down his life for you, and who promises to meet us now to strengthen our hope and energy for the days ahead. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. From sunrise to sunset, this day is holy, for Christ has risen from the tomb and scattered the darkness of death with light that will not fade. This day, the risen Lord walks with your gathered people, unfolds for us your word, and makes himself known in the breaking of the bread. And though the night will overtake this day, you summon us to live in endless light, the never-ceasing Sabbath of the Lord. And so we gladly thank you, with saints and angels praising you and singing. Most righteous God, we remember in this supper the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ for the sin of the whole world. In the joy of his resurrection and in expectation of his coming again, we offer ourselves to you as holy and living sacrifices. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and blood of Christ, and grant that being joined together in him, we may attain to the unity of the faith and grow up in all things. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory are yours, O loving Father, forever and ever. Amen. On the night the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant which is in my blood, shed for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. Therefore, let us proclaim the mystery of the faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. 
Therefore, let us keep the feast. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Feed on Christ with thanksgiving in your hearts, knowing that his blood was shed for you. You may now partake the body of Christ, the bread of heaven. The blood of Christ, the cup of our salvation. Eternal God, comforter of the afflicted and healer of the broken, you have fed us at the table of life and hope. Teach us the ways of gentleness and peace that all the world may acknowledge the kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
want to thank you for joining us for worship this morning. It's been a joy to be together and hope you were challenged and encouraged by our time. Just want to remind us of a few things that are coming up before us in these coming days. In this season of discernment between our two churches regarding our merger, our churches are offering joint classes and a weekly Vespers service on Thursday nights as opportunities for our congregations to get to know one another during this time. So for this Thursday, there will be a Vespers, Vespers service, which is an evening prayer service at 7 p.m. in the courtyard at West Catholic High School. Uh, the capacity is uh, 25 people, and there's a way to sign in or register to be a part of that by simply going to citychurchphilly.com backslash Vespers. You can also go to each of our websites and click the links that are available for that event. In addition, there are three different classes that are being offered. One is about parenting intentionally. Uh, it's called Anti-Racist Strategies, and it's led by some members of the City Church congregation. It started last week, but there's a still availability to jump in and be a part of the conversation. There will be a new discussion starting this week that uh, Tuck Bartholomew and elder at City Church, Josh Stamper, will be leading on a book called Where God Happens by Rowan Williams. It's a great book and it'll provide a lot of good discussion. And each of these things are happening over Zoom. You simply need to sign up and look for the time to get started. That happens on Wednesday night starting this week. And then in the beginning of August, there's a discussion entitled Rest for the Weary, Cultivating Compassion in the Time of COVID. And that is led by Arlene Navarro, a counselor that many of you have known. She's a part of the City Church community, and we know her and love her as well as being a part of the Liberty Church community. We invite you to be a part of these times for us to get to know each other and be a part of growing and con continuing in our life of faith together. Before we close our service, receive these words of blessing. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your prayers. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us go forth now to serve the world as those who love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.